Thanks for joining us today on the Forward Church Irvington podcast. Get ready for a powerful message from Pam Baker at session two of our Refresh Women's Conference. We'll just, the party's already started. I mean, I already look a mess because I just went ahead and got undignified. Because I remembered with Michael, like she did not bear fruit because she scoffed at David because he she was dignified and it didn't go well for her so I just went ahead and got my shout on and really if you're a kids leader like a children's worker like you're used to all the you know you're used to dancing that's how you you get your worship on so um, you know this place is really special to me Um, most of you probably don't even know this or remember this if you were here back actually right before Y2K it was the late fall of 1999. Um, my husband, Doug, and I, we had been evangelizing for about three years. And, well, no, for two years, two and a half years. And we had our baby girl, Ruthie. And so if, for any of you who have ever been a part of an, been an evangelist, then you know that around December, November, January, people really aren't wanting a revival. And Doug and I really hated off time. It just was very frustrating. You felt lazy, unproductive. You really hated it. But also, we lived in a travel trailer, and we travel everywhere. So if you're, like, not working, living in a travel trailer, you know, it's a bummer at the holidays, you know. And then on top of that, I've got my baby's first Christmas. And so I didn't want to put pressure on my husband. Because, you know, it's important to your husband to feel like they're doing a good job as the provider, as the leader of the home. And he was because he was doing exactly what I wanted. I wanted to be in full-time ministry, and he was in full-time ministry. And he was exactly what I wanted him to be in that area. And But a deep-rooted heart's desire of mine was like, man, God, I really would like to be in a place of ours for Christmas was my first baby. You know, it was either going to be, because Doug wasn't hot about staying in a travel trailer unless we were out of state or out of town, you know. So he either wanted to stay with my parents or with my in-laws, and both are great. But you know how you're a young mom, sometimes you just get these weird desires, like that it's in your heart, and if everybody thinks it's crazy, it doesn't matter. It's your desire. It could be hormonal, but it's like, you know, you're like, I want pink pink pillows with white polka dots in her bed and that's all it's going to be that's it you know it could be hormonal or whatever you know but for me that deep-rooted desire was I really want us to be in our own place with Ruthie for Christmas and I didn't even vocalize that I wouldn't dare vocalize it but it was internalized and it was a deep groan of mine out of nowhere Steve Smith Pastor Steve Smith called up my husband in November, I'm thinking. And he said, hey, our youth pastors have just left. They've gone to another position. I know it's going to be hard to hire a new youth pastor over the holiday season. Would you and Pam come fill in for us um, through, you know, like November, December, and January? And we've got a fully stocked um, parsonage y'all can live in. (laughs) Is God good? So I had a heart, st- and that's just one. I mean, you ladies know how much God's given you the desires of your heart. But when I got here, it just all came back to me. And I just thought about, you know, in that place when you're a young mom, there's you look and you see where God brings you from. And you see that even though you weren't everywhere you needed to be at that point, God still met you where you were. 
And he saw that desire of my heart, and he gave it to me. He granted that heart's desire. And so this place will always be special to me. So I look over at that hill, even though that double wide isn't there. I looked over that with affection and said, thank you, Lord. That's, that's a ground of answered prayers. And he gave it to me. And he wants to answer some prayers for you ladies today. Um, if you would do us a favor, my friend Michelle here, you may hear me call her Fran. I'm sorry. When One day, uh, my, uh, my husband and myself were on vacation with she and her husband. And we, weren't, we had not been friends for a long time. And we're talking about, you know, trying to find grandparent names. And we're like, well, maybe like your middle name or something like that. You know, and she said, well, my middle name's Fran. I was like, your middle name's Fran? you're my friend to the end, <laughs> you know, and so from then on, it just caught, like, all the teen teenagers call her Fran Fran, and I'm Pam Pam, and so a lot of times I'll call her friend, and they're like, I thought her name was Michelle, I was like, well, it is, but she's she's my friend, so anyway, but, the, you know, God will give you a soul sister sometimes, you know, and it's, it's rare when you, when you find them, but then it's just like, there's a there's a click there and when Michelle and I first met each other it was really weird and awkward because there were so many similarities you know it's just like you know I, I don't know it just was like you know when you meet somebody who's just like you and you're like okay I'm not going to say I do that because she's going to think I'm copying her but I do that you know and so but the reason God gave me that soul sister is because he had put something like this in our future and that's called brazen a bombshell you know churches are constantly looking for small group material Every quarter, you know, you're looking for a new women's study. And as I was looking, I was like, you know, it's really hard to find a women's study that, that just outright talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit that's geared towards women. You know, because that wouldn't sell as much. Then you couldn't reach the Baptist community or the Presbyterian community or the Methodist community. So I think people are afraid to really launch out and do that. And so I was like, you know what? We need to do one that addresses the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the entire book is not talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It gets your heart prepared for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And then chapter 9, hopefully we'll sneak this in on some people who did not believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they're going to be bombshells, okay? They're going to become bombshells. So if you will help us further this journey and help us on this journey, if you'll pull that card out, and if you'll look, on both sides there's a QR code. Either side works. If you will scan that QR code and open the link and just put your email address in there, we will not spam you like crazy, but once a week, maybe other, every other week, we'll keep you up on the release. You know, if there's any kind of coupon code to get the Bible study, if we're needing this or that, or if we have a good devotional we want to share with you. Just if you would do that, like, you know, we, we believe that God put this in our hearts um, for such a time as this, it's, it's not about Pam and Michelle. It's about the Lord just wanted to choose, you know, the weak things of the world and pour through them. And we said, here we are, Lord, send us, we'll go, we'll do it. So if you'll please support us in that way, um, in the book publishing world, uh, your email list, list goes a whole, long way. They want to know how many you have on your email list. And so, you know, we believe that, you know, to, we need to follow that system and that program if we want to be acknowledged in the world and for people, not acknowledge us, but if we want people to buy this Bible study, that's the ultimate goal so that they can, they can discover the truth. Hopefully a lot of them will be surprised by chapter nine and they're like, 
Oh, whoa, I didn't know that's what this is about. That's what we want. So thank you all so much for doing that for me, um, for us, and for the kingdom. I believe this is a God thing. And you'll also, when you sign up for that, you'll get emailed to you a free sample of the Bible study. So you'll get to have a little sneak peek on that. And we're hoping that it'll go to print, hopefully, either by the end of next week or the next. So it's very soon. It won't take long once it goes to print. So we're excited. So I look forward to hearing people's feedback after we go through it. But anyway, I want to go ahead ahead and open up your Bibles, or you can look on the screen. Uh, Today, I want to speak to you with the title of Honor on Her. Honor on Her is what we're going to talk about today. In 1 Samuel 2 and 30, it says, But I will honor those who honor me, and I will despise those who think lightly of me. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for women's conferences, Lord. There's nothing like it in the world. God, I believe that your heart is after the woman. Lord, you love the women in your body. And Lord, you care about their lives. You care about the in-workings and the out-workings. And you delight in every detail of their lives. You know every woman. You know every walk of life that they've come through and come from. You know what their morning was like. You know what last night was like. God, you see them, and I thank you, Lord, that you're anointing my lips, Lord, to speak a word that would come directly from your throne room, Lord. God, that your Holy Spirit would take charge in this room. I hide behind the shadow of you, Father, because I know, I know the weight of this opportunity, because I know marriages hang in the balance. I know destinies hang in the balance. I know if we can strike a match in this room and light up some hearts, that, Lord, they will spill out and turn the world upside down. Now, Holy Spirit, come and be in this place. Settle in here with us, Lord. We say together, united in heart, Holy Spirit, have your way. In your mighty name we pray. And everybody said together really loud. Amen. Okay, so in this scripture, I will honor those who honor me, and I will despise those who think lightly of me. Here is an instance where the Lord is speaking to Eli the priest. Some things about Eli the priest, he was heavy set, and he had some really stinky sons. His sons were like operating in the temple. They were taking people's sacrifices, and they were mishandling the people's sacrifices. They would mishandle them, misuse, uh, you know, they would just handle them wrongly. But more than that, they were even having affairs with the women that would keep the door at the temple. I mean, that is terrible. But what's even worse is Eli, the priest, would turn a blind eye to it. He knew about it didn't do anything about it. And so as a result, he's about to reap some major, major curses on his life. And so the Lord tells him, hey, you've thought lightly of me, and I despise you because of it. If you would have honored me, if you would have kicked them, you know, yes, we should be good to our kids. And the way you're good to your kids who are in sin, you don't turn a blind eye to it. You don't let, you don't have, they don't have a bomb on the bottom of their car. And you're saying, bye, have a nice trip. No, you get in the middle of the road and you say, oh, no, you don't. Not on my watch. You know, there's only so much we can do. They have a free will. You know, we can't lock them up in a cage, you know, for 20 years till they decide to repent. But we can let them know we don't approve and we will not let it happen under our roof. And so Eli was letting it happen under his roof. He was letting that nonsense go on. Fornication 
with the women that are serving in the temple. It was a shame. But then the Lord goes on, the prophet goes on to tell Eli, he said in 1 Samuel 2 and 35, he said, I will raise up a faithful priest who will serve me and do what I desire. I will establish his family, and they will be priests to my anointed kings forever. And that faithful priest was Samuel. He was a faithful man of God his entire life. But the thing about Samuel, you all know, Hannah was his mother. Hannah had, Hannah pleaded with God for a child. She could not have a child. God gave Hannah Samuel, and she committed to the Lord, I will give him back to you. So when he was old enough to leave home, when he was not nursing any longer, she took him to the temple, gave him to, gave him to the man of God. They weren't even in the same town. You know, they didn't have FaceTime. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have social media. She left that child in the hands of Eli, the priest, who already had done a bad job raising those other sons. Okay? But you know what's beautiful about that? Is God honored Hannah's heart. Hannah couldn't be there with Samuel. She couldn't guard his heart for him. Just like you can't guard your children's heart for them. But if you will honor God, God will take care of that child. God will take care of that child. They may have their wayward ways. They may have some rebellion. But God will do all that he can to bring them back in a right relationship with him. So we've got to honor God. So you see, the faithful priest of God was about to raise up Samuel. His mom, Samuel's mom, was a woman of God. Can you imagine letting your child go that early? Just letting him go because you trust God that much. You see, while Eli dishonored God, Hannah honored God by giving her son to be raised in the temple for the Lord's service. As a result, Hannah was granted five more children, and Samuel followed Hannah's lead of righteous living and honor. Even though he grew up with a man of dishonor, he followed his mama's lead of honor. That's the power of honoring God. So, you know, sometimes you feel like that you've got to manipulate everything to make your child serve the Lord. You know what? Honor God and put it in God's hands. Honor God. So God is looking for honor. He's still looking for honor, and it still rings true in 1 Samuel 2 and 30. But I will honor those who honor me, and I will despise those who think lightly of me. You see, honor changes how we operate. The meaning and definition of honor means high respect, great esteem, regard with great respect, to fulfill an obligation or keep an agreement. When you give your life to Christ, you've made an obligation. Okay? Are we living a life of honor? Are we unknowingly dishonoring God? When I was a teenager, I really loved to do practical jokes. As I got older, I realized that if you do a practical joke, a practical joke will be <laughs> will come back on you. So I kind of ended that a little bit. Now I try to play it safe. But one Thanksgiving, I thought this was hilarious. My They had spread out all the food, and I just went by with a little dye, you know, bottle of green dye, and I put it all in my my mamaw's gravy. Started up. (laughs) Just laughing. Everybody was like, what's wrong with the gravy? You know, and I was just cackling, laughing, you know. And then, and I loved my mamaw. I mean, she's queen, you know, she was queen. That little lady, I mean, she's probably about this tall. She pulled me over the side, and she said, people take pride in what they cook. I loved my mamaw. I loved her. I would fight somebody for her, but I had dishonored her. Are we dishonoring God 
in some things in our lives, and we don't realize it. We love him, but are we dishonoring him? And that's what I want to talk about today. You see, in Ephesians 5 and 15, he says, See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. See, all throughout the Bible, there are stories of honor and dishonor. All throughout the Bible, you can really take it down to, were they honoring God or were they dishonoring God? And in life, all we see are stories of honor or dishonor. This morning, even though you would have rather stayed in bed maybe at that moment, would have rather slept in, you said, no, I'm going to honor God. I'm coming to honor God. You honored him by being here. Every decision we make is either honor or dishonor. You see, Joshua told the people, he said, choose this day whom you will serve. Choose who you're going to serve by the decisions you make. And so today I have this story I want to bring to you, and it comes out of 1 Samuel 25. And I'm just going to give you the Cliff Notes version. I'm not going to read all of that, but I'm going to give you just kind of the, the, the bottom line version. It's a story about a lady who was married to a wicked man. And so this lady, her name's Abigail. His name is Nabal. He, his name means fool. So, I mean, you can only imagine. And so she's married to this man named Fool. But David and his men, they were out. What? Okay. <laughs> they were out taking just out in the wilderness. And it just so happened that Nabal's sheep, which were a lot of them, he was a very wealthy man. He had all these shepherds and sheep just out grazing and trying to, you know, make a living grow their fur, you know, and David and his troops are out there, and so they made sure that none of the wicked scoundrels from other countries would come in and steal the sheep. No wolves, no lions, no bears would come in and destroy Nabal's um, property, and so one of the servants in the scripture said, even told Abigail, said his men were like a wall of protection around us the entire time. Well, it came time for shearing the sheep, whereas Nabal was going to make a huge profit. He had a lot of sheep, and it was harvest time, you know, for the sheep. They were shearing the sheep. So David, because he's responsible for a lot of troops, they'd done a good work for Nabal, and this was, you know, custom. He sent a servant to, servant to Nabal and said, hey, is there any way you can give us some food? We've protected your, your men, your shepherds, your sheep. Can we get some food? You know, as a result, you know, just a little payback for our investment. And Nabal, he offended them so greatly. He made fun of him. He said, who does this son of Jesse think he is? And he mocked them and scoffed them. And really, it was a slap in David's face. So when he heard word of it, when the servant came back, he, he told him what happened. And David said, I swear to the, Lord, to the Lord, if there is one more, if there is one of the men of Nabal's household still alive before this day is over, I, I will not do it. They're, we're going to take hold of all of those men, and we will kill them. And so they, they weaponed up, and they are headed to Nabal's house. In the meantime, one of Nabal's servants came to Abigail and explained to her the scenario. And so, and so he's telling her, you know that Nabal, he is so ill-tempered that no one can even talk to him. The servant was appalled at how disrespectful Nabal had been to David and his men. So Abigail, being the wise woman she was, she hurried. This shows how wealthy they were. She got 
enough food to prepare for hundreds of men and hurried and gathered it up. And she met David on the way. While while David was on the way, he said, a lot of good it did to help this fellow. We protected his flocks in the wilderness, and nothing he owned was lost or stolen. But he has repaid me evil for good. May God strike me and even kill me if even one man of his household is still alive by tomorrow morning. And so he was offended, and Nabal's wife, Nabal's wife, wife came to him and she fell down before him in verse 24 and 28 out of the 25th chapter Abigail saw David and she quickly got off her donkey bowed low before him she fell at his feet and she said I accept all the blame in this matter my lord please listen to what I have to say I know Nabal is a wicked and ill-tempered man please don't even pay him any attention he is a fool just as his name suggests please forgive me I've if I've offended you in any way She in no way excused his behavior. She didn't see his dishonor as cute or entertaining. She said he's a fool. She didn't excuse it. She said, I know know he's a jerk, and I'm sorry. Okay? Now, and so Abigail wasn't afraid to say I'm sorry even though she didn't do anything wrong. You know what that shows? That shows that's a heart, a repentant heart. She didn't do anything wrong. But look at even Job. Job, when his children would meet together, he would go and offer sacrifices at the end just in case his kids had done something to displease God. It showed that he had a repentant heart even though he wasn't at the party. He was like, Lord, if they did anything wrong, Lord, just have mercy. Touch them. I'm so sorry. I raised them. Just have mercy on them. And so after, so David said, you would have Bad things would have happened had you not brought this and had you not come to me. But God bless you. Okay, we're going to turn around. When she got back home, when she arrived, Nabal was living it up. He was drunk and partying. He was clueless. He was clueless that he was about to die. He did not even know that, that David and his men were coming, marching to come and annihilate he and everybody at that party. He was clueless. How many people in this world, they have blinders over their eyes. They don't realize how they have offended God. They don't realize, well, they, they realize Nabal knew he had offended David, but he didn't care. He thought it was funny. He thought it was cute. He thought it was like, look at me. I turned David's men away. Ha ha. David's in need. I'm not. I'm living it up. I'm going to have a party. So Abigail let him sleep. Most of you all know this story. She let him sleep on it. And then the next morning, she broke the news to him. He was so mad, he had a stroke instantly. But it didn't kill him. He laid there for about, uh, what, 10 days? I think is what it said. I wanted to say seven. I think it's 10 days. And, and he laid there. And then 10 days later, the Lord stru- struck him, and he died. So I hesitate to tell this passage because to a bunch of women because you're going to think I'm saying if your husband gets on your nerves, do something really bad and make him have a stroke and you're free. <laughs> no. Today we're going to look at these two men as two different things. David, what she did to David was honoring God. Nabal was the world that dishonors God. We're not thinking, don't go kill your husbands, please. Okay. Don't make them mad. It'll just make your life hard. Okay, don't do it. And so she, she is chose to honor. She was a woman of honor. And so the more we dishonor God, the more entangled we become with this evil tyranny of the world. We are all born into sin, born into this world, carrying around, may I say, married to this flesh suit. 
We've got, you know, good and evil. We've got spirit and flesh. The flesh is willing, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And whatever, whichever one we feed the most is going to win, okay? And whichever one that we do the most is the one that's going to be the strongest. If you're a person of dishonor, you're going to become a bigger person of dishonor, okay? If you're a person of honor, you will cultivate a habit of being a person of honor. So my first point is Abigail was married to an evil man, an evil man. He was not a good guy. But Abigail, so his name made fool. He was an evil man. Abigail, the word says, was a beautiful woman. You see, Nabal wanted her to be his wife, I'm sure, because she was a beautiful woman. Back then, women didn't have a lot to say about what would happen. Many times it was the father. You know, it was probably Abigail was like, hey, I need her to marry into Nabal's family because he's got money. And he, you know, pushed her on off there. Do you know that we are beautiful in God's sight? And do you know that the enemy craves to have our attention. Just as Nabal wanted to entangle her into marriage with him, the world and Satan himself craves to bring us into an entanglement with him, to bring us into a commitment with him, with our hearts. You see, he sees the beauty in us. Whether you see the beauty in you or not, the devil sees the beauty. Because in Ephesians 2.10, we all know the scripture, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship. Each of you, look at your fingerprints. He made you individual and specific for a specific reason and purpose. That word workmanship also is interpreted, and you probably know this, it can also be interpreted to poem. He's written a poem about you. Don't mess it up. He's written a poem about each of us. We're beautiful. And the enemy craves to destroy that. He wants to destroy and distort and tear up what God's divine plan is for our lives. And being married to an evil man is a horrible thing. I would dare say in this room that there are women here that are married to horrible men. Don't raise your hand, please. Okay? But if we're just statistically speaking, there are probably, I don't know, I'd say at least 20% of the women here are married to horrible men. That's pretty hard. That's pretty hard. Do you know, we were talking about this yesterday. We let Miss Cassie share some. We interviewed her for her testimony. And we were talking about this. We said, you know, what's crazy is some of the best testimonies can't be told because they're too personal. You can't tell people you're married to an evil man. People will hate your husband. Your mother will hate your husband. You can't tell her he's terrible. You can't tell your best friend he's abusive. Right? You know, God cares about that entanglement you're in. And he wants to see that break. And he wants to see change. I didn't come here to talk about evil men. But I want to tell you today, if you're married to one, there's hope. And there's breakthrough. But just like that evil, imagine what it would be like to be married to a horrible, abusive husband. Many are married to an abusive world. They are riddled with anxiety, depression, addiction, riddled with financial woes, riddled with marital problems because they've been so world-honoring and God-dishonoring They've gotten wrapped up and entangled into bondage. And just as Abigail, she was entangled in bondage with this man, many are entangled with the bondage of this world. 
See, we are merciful towards things. Many times, just like Eli was merciful to the things his sons were doing. They were doing despicable things. And Eli was like, if I don't see it, it's not happening. But he knew it was happening. But many times we're merciful towards the things that are against God's desire. And when we do that, we lose authority in the kingdom. Every time we turn a blind eye, we lose authority in the kingdom. Because he said, I will despise those who think lightly of me. God sees when we turn a blind eye to the things that are dishonoring him. We, became, we become despised in the economy of the kingdom. It's disrespectful to God. We honor God when we approve when we, uh, we dishonor God when we approve those things that dishonor him and his ways. When we turn a blind eye to those things that go against his wishes. Even King Saul learned this lesson the hard way. He dishonored God's command, so his kingdom was snatched away from him. God told him, he said, God has snatched the kingdom from him. The Lord has done this to you today because you refuse to carry out his fierce anger against the Amalekites. Saul looked at that king and he related with him because they were both kings and he didn't kill him. As a, don't kill people, okay? This is Old Testament. As a result, because he did not follow God's commands and annihilate the enemy of God, he lost his status as king. And so did his children. It's not just you. Pastor says all the time, my pastor says, my husband always says, what's a raindrop in your life will be a raging river in the life of your children. You think your little rebellion's cute. It's going to be a raging river in your children, okay? And so I know this isn't like hooping, shouting, but we'll get to that. We're just building a foundation right here, okay? Just be patient, okay? Go get coffee. I'm, I teach kids church, so you're not going to bother me if you walk out and get coffee. And come okay, I'm used to distraction. Okay, so even, the, even King Saul learned that lesson. But you see, the difference with Abigail is she chose honor. Abigail had a choice. She could have stayed at the party with dishonor, or she could have went ahead and sacrificed of their financial, you know, freedom, all their, they'd stored up, and she went and she honored David for what he has done, what he had done for them. So out of wisdom, she broke ranks, and she honored David. And the scriptures say Abigail made haste. She did not drag her feet. She was like, well, I don't know. No, she understood that honoring God, honoring the man who protected. That time she wasn't thinking about God, but she honored the man who protected their increase. They protected their shepherds, and she went to honor him. You know, so many times we kind of think, well, I'd like to make some changes in life. That's nice for them. That's nice for, for um, you know, the, the pastor and his wife, that they serve God so, so fiercely. That's great for them, but I don't think we can do that. No, quit. Make room for what God wants to do in your life. Be passionate. Crucify the works of the flesh and make haste about it. Elijah asked them, how much longer are you going to waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow him. If he's God, follow him. Quit ho-humming around. So she came to David in humility. She gave him that. She chose honor. And then it looked like things got worse. Have you ever tried to follow after the Lord? And then as soon as you do that, it looks like all of, you know, AT double hockey sticks breaks loose in your life. And you're like, what is going on? I paid my tithes for the first time ever, and now things are going crazy. It's because you have just made the devil so nervous. And he knows if I can knock her off of this, then she won't do that anymore. 
and he's going to try to push you off of the advancement that you've made. And that's when he says in the scripture, he tells us in Ephesians 6, he says, and when you've done all you can, stand. Don't let him push you back. You need to see him for what he is. He does not want you to make advancement. He does not want you to further your efforts in having that spiritual fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. He wants to keep knocking you down. And every time you allow that to knock you down, he's going to keep doing it. There has to come a time, you know, you may start setting your alarm clock early. I remember this actually, ironically, this actually happened while we were living here on this property. I decided I was going to start, I was getting desperate. I decided I was going to get up early. I was going to make some coffee and I was going to start reading. I still have the journal entries for when I was doing that. I first started in that morning plan. And do you know that I noticed as soon as I would do that, it didn't get better. Things didn't get better. It got worse because the enemy thought, I can put some water on this flame. You know, he will try. But if you see the enemy for who it is, and you see that's not your spouse, that's not your in-laws doing that, that's not your friend doing that, that's not your boss doing that. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities and rulers in dark places. It is not the person that's yelling at you or causing trouble at you. It's not them. It's the spirit that they're allowing to use them to lash out at you. So stand strong. Stare that devil in the face, and I see you, devil and I'm not backing down. And honor, honor makes a difference. And with Abigail, she honored David, and things got worse. Can you imagine how red in the face that greedy man got when he found out she had given away his money? He was so mad he had a stroke. And now she's having to tend to him. He can't even move, but he's still a mess. Literally. God, what has happened? But she had honored David. She had sown a seed, a seed of honor. And sometimes seeds don't come up overnight. They don't produce overnight. I had 10 days of torment, I'm sure. But when word got back to David, he said, I want her as my bride. On that 10th day when he died, David said, she's mine. She's mine. I want her. So you see, she chose honor even when things got worse. When you choose to honor God in every decision, it may feel like just everything is breaking, broken loose. Children, friends call you judgmental. Relationships change because you can't act a certain way anymore. You've placed a new filter in your life, and it's called, does it honor God? It's a does it honor God filter. You know, some people say, oh, it's not a works religion. No, it is not a works religion. It is by grace only that we are saved. But because we are saved, we are grateful. And when you're grateful, you treat people differently. When you're grateful to the person who's given you a good gift, you treat them differently. And it's a thing of honor. So when you're trying to decide, is it a sin to do this? Is it wrong that I do this? This is what you should say. Does this honor God? Does this make him happy? Because that's what counts. No, it's not a works religion. But we, he deserves honor. Okay? And so, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and say, don't tell me. Don't tell me how good Morgan Wallen is. Don't tell me how good any country music singer is. I've read the lyrics. Just because they say they prayed, just because they say God in it, and then they cuss things out in the same song. We're saying, oh, they're good. They talk about prayer and God and how their mama prayed for them. That's good. No, I read the lyrics. That's garbage. 
Let me tell you something. You're going to listen to that CMT in your home, play it all day long. Your children are growing up hearing that instead of worship music. When you're riding in the car that God gave you and you're listening to all of that that's been offered up to the idol of Satan because they've given the gifts that God gave them to their own flesh. Let me tell you something what's going to happen. 10 to 15 years later, you're going to be crumpled in this altar saying, God, why did my son leave you? Why did you let this happen? He didn't let this happen. Your compromise let it happen. Get the compromise out of your life because that raindrop in your life is a raging river. I've seen it before. You've seen it before. And I know you have. Does it honor God? I'm not saying country music is a sin. Does it honor God? It's not a works religion. Does it honor God? Do you want God to honor you? How are you expecting him to honor you when you can't even honor him? We can't. Because you've just thought lightly of him. And he said he despises people who think lightly of him. Yes, there's grace, there's mercy, but there's a point. He eventually gets our message. Yeah, it's impossible to please God without faith. And some decisions that we make show God, I don't believe in you. I don't believe in your word, so I won't do that. You won't say that, but you, you live like that. And I know y'all are godly anointed women. I'm just doing this so you can share it to your lost neighbor later, okay? <laughs> so, If you aren't honoring God in every area of your life, the beauty of it is repent. Turn from your wicked ways. And yes, wicked. Quit acting like, oh, it's just a little white lie. It's wicked. If it's sin, it's wicked. And the word repentance means seeing it like God sees it. God sees it as filthy rags. And most of you women, I'm not going into it, but if you look up what filthy rags actually means, it's filthy. You don't want that. You don't want it on your kitchen table. It's filthy. And God despises it. It's wicked. But the beauty of his mercy is when you admit, God, I blew it. I've let you down. I've dishonored you. I'm so sorry. My mamma, she didn't hold that against me by the gravy. She just let me know, hey, what are you doing? That's my gravy. You messed with it. It's green. <laughs> and I'm not happy about it. <laughs> but she still loved me. But she was not honoring me that day. She was saying, mm-mm. No, no soup for you. And so, listen, so now how would you like it? Listen to this. You think, okay, think about this. Okay, how would you like it if your husband enjoyed the entertainment of another woman more than he enjoyed your entertainment? Mm. Is that movie you're watching, Honoring God? Is that series you're watching, does that honor God? Are you enjoying the devil's entertainment more than you're enjoying God's entertainment? I know this is a hard word. I know it's hard. But there's a big blessing that comes from it if you'll receive it. You know, good things, sometimes, if you're willing to go that extra mile and dig deep and dig out some stuff, there's generational patterns, generational habits that have kept your family down for years and decades. If we'll go ahead and uncover it and see it for what it is, call it for what it is, and get that mess out of your family line. And then you can receive a new blessing, a deeper walk, a greater glory, a greater honor from heaven. So let's go ahead and dig in. Don't be afraid to look at yourself. 
do some inflection. Look, just like Cassie, I said she, I, I loved how she said she went through all of the fruit. Which one, God, do I need to work with? I mean, that's some, you got to sit down and think, which one of these do I need to work on? That's soul searching. That's going ahead and working out your salvation with the Lord. God, where am I falling short? And here we need to look and say, God, what in my life is dishonoring you? What part of my life is green gravy? What part is dishonoring you? After she, she ended up suffering, all of this happened, but guess what? Abigail was delivered. She was delivered because she had sown well. David remembered Abigail. She personally did not kill Nabal. She did not kill him. Her decisions helped her walk right out of entanglement because she chose honor. There may be addiction in your family line. There may be, you know, divorce in your family line. There may be financial issues in your family line. But you can make decisions to walk right out of it. I'm walking out. I'm walking out. I'm walking out of that. Out of that with every decision of honor. You make a decision. Tomorrow morning you may think, well, I didn't get my Saturday. I didn't get to sleep in. But you're going to set that alarm. You're going to get up and honor God in this house tomorrow because you choose to be a woman of honor. And as a result, not only you will walk out of the entanglement, your children will walk out of entanglement because you're sowing well. So she was delivered when we choose to honor God. This is the beauty. When you really decide in your heart, God, I'm going to honor you. God, I've messed up. I've dishonored you in a few things. And we're all flesh. I mean, I dishonor him all the time. It's not a sin. It's a, sometimes it's a sin issue. But sometimes it's a just you're not honoring him like he deserves. God, I messed up. I blew it. Please forgive me. I'm going to make my very best effort to honor you in everything I do. But the beauty of that is when you decide, God, I'm going to honor you. God, I'm going to honor you then it's time for us to decide, how do you want God to honor you? How do I want God to honor me? Because his word is true. It's even hard to say, right? Because we're kind of like, I don't deserve honor. No, I mean, I know. But his word says, I will honor those who honor me. What, obligate, what do you want him to honor you with? That takes some soul searching. Because some of us, we don't even know what to ask for anymore. We don't even remember the dreams that we used to have. Or the desires we used to have. Because we finally just gave up. But he tells us in his word, and his word is true. And we can stand on it. And we can know that he honors it. And he said, I will honor those who honor me. In James 4 and 2 through 3, he says, You do not have because you do not ask. And you do not receive because you ask amiss. And you spend it on your pleasures. You see, we're not asking for mansions or Mercedes. It's not like, God, I want to be a millionaire. I've honored you. Now make me a millionaire. That's asking amiss. What are the deep-rooted desires? It's not money. It's peace. It's the salvation of lost loved ones. It's anointing. It's open doors. It's financial release, like deliverance financially. I'm not talking about wealthy. He will make you wealthy. I mean, it does happen. Praise God. They're, you know, he blesses us. His word is true. You're blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed coming in, blessed going out. When you honor him, he will honor you. No, we don't run after the money, but it comes. It just comes. It does. It's his principle. He takes care of us. We're lenders and not borrowers. 
So we're not asking amiss. Don't ask amiss. Don't make that mistake because you can't really expect it to be honored at all times. But if you're asking something that's in his will, that lines up with his word, he wants your lost loved ones saved. He wants your family on fire for Jesus. He wants to give you divine appointments in your city. He wants to give you favor and influence in your city that you can be a witness and a light. He wants to do that. That lines up with his word. If it lines up with his word, then you say, okay, God, you know I honor you. You know I give you my life. I give you everything. I give you everything. And, God, I want to honor you. Forgive me for the times I didn't, didn't, just, didn't honor you. But, God, I also I'm believing for my dad to be saved. I'm believing for my sister to be saved. Thank you, Lord, that you're going to save them. Go ahead and make out a list of what you want. Uh, this last year, I started making a, I called it my faith book. Just get you a notebook, the one Cassie, the one the church gave you. And start, just put, this is my faith book. So that if you die and people read it, they won't think you're crazy, okay? Just, this is my faith book, okay? And then put the date on there and just go ahead and write it like it's already happened. Write it out like it's already happened. Do you know, even in the secular world, they practice this, like in, you know, businessmen, successful businessmen, every day they'll write out how they want their day to happen like it already happened. And they see it like they're not even people of faith. But listen to this in Isaiah 57, 19. The Lord said, I create the fruit of the lips. I create the fruit of the lips. Another version in um, NKJV, it says, as I create the praise of his lips. As we praise them. How many times have you heard that? That's how I would pray for my dad. Lord, I thank you that he's saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost working in the ministry. I thank you, Lord, that he's anointed, that, I, that, that he raises his hands in worship, that he comes to church faithfully. Was that true yet? No. Is it now? Yes. <laughs> we call it. We call those things that are not as though they already are. I'm not saying, Lord, thank you for my mansion, my built-in swimming pool, my Mercedes. Thank you, Lord, that you are just letting just money just drip off of me. And No. If he wants to give that to me, that, that's fine, Jesus. Yeah, okay. But believe for things that advance his kingdom. In Psalm 37. Psalm 37, I love that Tara read out of Psalm 37 because... I texted Doug the other morning. I was reading Psalm 37, and I said, Doug, Psalm 37 is our psalm. The whole chapter is our psalm. And he sent back, people are going to look at us kind of weird when we tell them that's our song. <laughs> and so, but it talks all about as we honor God, he blesses us. Just like Tara, you know, what delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. I'm not, I can't remember. Commit your works to the Lord. So in Psalm 37, 4 through 6, delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn, and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday. I mean, that's fire to me. That's what I want. Isn't that what you want? I don't need a Mercedes. I just need that. I want that justice to shine forth like the noonday so that lost sons and daughters will just gravitate to the Father that saved me. That's what I want. In Psalm 37 and 9 it says, For the wicked will be destroyed, but those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. In Psalm 37, 34, I love this, Put your hope in the Lord, travel steadily along his path, and he will honor you 
by giving you the land, you will see the wicked destroyed. He will honor you. Remember 1 Samuel 2.30, but I will honor those who honor me, and I will despise those who think lightly of me. Thanks again for joining us on the Forward Church Podcast. We hope today's message was a blessing to you. If you'd like more information, you can check us out on Facebook or at forwardchurchonline.com.